Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to i'm sure it's only a matter of time head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information 10 Welcome to The World in 10, the Times of London's take on the biggest stories from around the world every day. I'm Alex Dibble. And I'm Eleanor Shearwood. The West is warned of a wartime enemy within. Raids take place in India after a controversial documentary. And the governing body of European football is shamed. Lots to cover over the next 10 minutes. Every now and again, I find that my horizons, what I know about a certain subject, are broadened, and I very much enjoy when that happens. And today was one of those occasions, because in the Times newspaper, there was a warning about the future of war itself. The context, of course, being Ukraine and what's going on there. But this warning came from the former UK Foreign Secretary and former leader of the Conservative Party, Lord Haig. Yes, so he's written a really interesting column in today's Times called Don't Let Tech Companies Call the Shots in War. What it basically boils down to is how software is now really important as a military weapon, but it has the potential to make big bosses of the companies that produce it dangerously powerful. Yeah, that's what Haig's thesis is, if you like. And he really interestingly uses two examples. He said Microsoft, they've used cloud computing in Ukraine to keep government services there running. And he also talks about a data analytics company called Palantir, which he says has supplied software that essentially transforms information from satellites, heat sensors, drones, and also ordinary Ukrainian people people that are sort of reporting what they see into a model that allows incredibly accurate strikes against Russian forces. Um, But the consequence of all this is that tech has become so important in war, Lord Haig says, that the people behind it, as you say, carry too much power. Now, he explained more about this on Times Radio using the example of Elon Musk. He says he won't turn on the Starlink satellites over Crimea for the Ukrainians. Well, that means, in effect... You know, they can't operate in Crimea, even if that was realistic militarily at the moment. They they couldn't do it for that reason. So who actually is in charge of the foreign policy of the United States and the West? 
And so um, we're going to have to make sure that these companies start becoming accountable to democratic institutions. And if necessary, say, well, actually, you're too powerful, so you have to divest that subsidiary, or you can't have a conflict of interest with a business in China at the same time. It does require international cooperation, and it needs the United States. You can't do it without the United States. So, um, yeah, this debate has to be heard in Washington. I found that fascinating myself, and Lord Haig himself says he is raising the red flag. You can read more on his piece on the Times website. You need to take out a subscription, but it's an analysis like that that I think makes it well worth it. Absolutely. And it happens to come as tomorrow we're expecting a meeting between Bill Gates and the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak mm. at Downing Street. Indeed. Um, now, it is nearly a year on since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And today in The Times, there is a, a brilliant analysis piece really on Putin, what he is doing now, his health, his mindset, everything about him today, a year on. It's been written by Mark Bennett, um, the Times' journalist, and he has spoken to a couple of key figures, one of which is Gennady Gudkov. He is a former KGB colonel, and he's also a former Russian MP, so he's incredibly well-connected. He told me that his conversations with people, mainly when they're outside of Russia, uh, given him a picture of Putin's increasing difficulty in maintaining kind of loyalty among his security officials, among the military, and basically said that everyone realizes he made a mistake in invading Ukraine, and everyone's realized that he's made lots of stupid errors during the actual invasion itself. And if um, a year ago they were all kind of there was an unquestioned loyalty in the Kremlin among um, security officials, army officials, etc., now they no longer have that kind of regard for him that they once had. Some really valuable insight from Mark there. And he also pointed out that Putin is weaker than he's ever been during his time in power. He highlighted that Putin's the first Russian leader since the Second World War whose rule has seen enemy strikes on Russian territory. But he also said there's no threat of a coup at the moment. This is the sound of perfectly normal traffic in Delhi. However, as the cars go past, BBC employees are standing on a pavement. They've been kicked out of their offices in Delhi and also in Mumbai by tax officers of the Indian government. Now, this comes weeks after they aired a documentary in the United Kingdom criticizing the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi because it focused on his role in riots in India in 2002. Yes, but there's been mixed messaging over why this tax raid happened. The income tax department themselves haven't spoken out. Anonymous sources from the department say it's part of what they've described as a credible survey operation. Meanwhile, Modi's BJP said Indian institutions work independently and the tax department are well within their rights to look into tax compliance. Here's Gaurav Bhatia, a spokesperson for the party. No individual. No agency could be above the law of the country. And in an ongoing action that is being taken by the income tax department, why is it that there is a tearing hurry by the opposition party, especially the Congress party, to give a clean chit to the agency concerned? 
Now, all we've heard from the BBC is that there's tax people there and they're complying with everything. But media rights activists are worried, as government departments have been used before to harass press who are criticising those in power. Mm. And the BBC employees, we know, have been told not to speak to the media. Now, in the last few years, there's been a big debate about cancel culture here in the UK. I'm not sure if other countries have a different name for it, but here it's used to describe when someone's publicly criticised or rejected because they've offended certain people. Well, Kate Blanchett has called it out. She says airbrushing people out basically would mean repeating the mistakes of the past. Yeah, I think it's an interesting kind of warning, if that's the right word, from Kate Blanchett, because she is in the arts, in the Mm -hmm. world of the arts. And in general, that world is very liberal and because it's always pushing the boundaries of expression. And so it's very rare that you find someone very high profile, in this case, within the world of the arts, kind of cautioning against the move to progress, in inverted commas, and the move away from the past, which I think is interesting. Absolutely. And it also caught my attention because this comes just after she's been nominated for Best Actress at the BAFTAs, at the Oscars for Mm. her performance in the film Tar, which has been viewed as controversial within itself because of the protagonist's behaviour. Today we've got quite a rare thing, which is a sports story that has implications not just for one, but for multiple different sports. And it, what it does is it centres on the Champions League final, a football's Champions League final, last year between Liverpool and Real Madrid at the Stade de France in Paris. Yes, yeah, so what happened there was there were lots of ticketing problems, which meant Liverpool fans couldn't get in. And actually some of them ended up being tear-gassed by police before the game. Now, there was a big report done into this, and the report has now come out. And it has blamed UEFA, European football's governing body, and says that they are primarily responsible for what happened. The report says it's remarkable nobody died. Now, as well as criticising UEFA, this report also points the finger at the French authorities, the police and other officials. And the reason why this is so interesting is because France is hosting the Rugby World Cup this year and then next year's hosting the Olympics and the Paralympic Games. And the report says that this should be a massive wake-up call. I'm joined now by Mike Smith, The Times' foreign editor. What are some of the stories you're working on at the moment? Nikki Haley, Donald Trump's former ambassador to the United Nations, has announced today she's going to run against him for president. She's obviously a generation younger than him, very powerful and charismatic speaker. She clearly fancies her chances. The other thing we're going to look at is in France. A remarkable court ruling today has ordered the Musée d'Orsay to hand back uh, several masterpieces by the likes of Gauguin, Renoir and Cézanne to the heirs of the original owners. What's really troubling the French art establishment is that these are works of art that were legitimately sold under the Nazi occupation and this could mean that more than a hundred other artworks in the French National Collection will have to be handed back to their original families. That's today's World in 10. Thank you very much for listening. We're back tomorrow with the best of the Times of London. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.